If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Take your Bibles and turn over to Philippians chapter 1. We're going to get into part 2 uh, of, our, of our start in the book of Philippians. And um, boy, I'm stirred up about this tonight. I've got uh, some great things to share with you. We're going to try to finish chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 12 and, uh, and move forward. And, and if uh, you weren't here last week, definitely you can go to our website and, and uh, hit the podcast button. It's free. And uh, get caught up on Philippians. All, you can go there and get lots of podcasts. Uh, we we uh, make that available to anyone and everyone who, can, who has access to the internet. And um, so it's, it's a great tool. It's, it's, it's been a great tool for our church and a great blessing to other people as uh, I hear reports come trickling in from the outside how others' lives are being changed. Amen. So it's wonderful to be able to have our message so accessible by such a large audience of people. I mean, it's accessible to the entire world. Isn't that great? World Wide Web. It's great. So um, uh, I really, really love being able to get our message out and letting, and I love what we're doing here, the people that we're touching here that come here, but then those that we don't ever see that are being touched, and we'll all have lots of stories to talk about someday in heaven, and a lot of catching up to do. It's going to be great. So Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12 says, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, if there's any testimony that I want for my life, it is that testimony right there. Whatever has happened to me in my life, I want the gospel to advance no matter what. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Whatever happens, whatever life brings us, the gospel can go forward. Paul says, I want you to know whatever, what, what's happened to me has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, we do know that uh, it was not a good thing that happened to him. It was a negative thing because look, look at the next verse. So that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. That is, Paul's referring to his imprisonment, Right? And in his imprisonment, what's interesting is the fact that he went to prison didn't stop the gospel from advancing, didn't stop the gospel from, from furthering in the kingdom. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Yeah. That this is the place, and, and uh, something I was really impacted by, by Pastor Charles Neiman on Sunday night. Wasn't that great? Wasn't yeah. that, and I want to say thank you to all of you who came, and yeah. that was just a wonderful, wonderful night. Still chewing on a lot of things that he said, yeah. but... The thing he talked about was the life of Joseph and how that we, no matter what kind of situation we find ourselves in, that we look for grace, that we look for the favor because it's there, because Jesus is there. Jesus is with us, therefore favor's there. So that's what we begin to look for. And what Paul, this is something that Paul lived continually. He lived this lifestyle of looking for grace, whatever situation he found himself in. It's wonderful. Remember when him and Silas got beat in prison in Acts chapter 16? What happened? The Bible says that they, uh, that they started singing songs. They're looking for grace, just giving God praise. And then all of a sudden, we know the earthquake happened. Before long, the jailer gets saved and uh, one of the founding members of the Philippian church that we're talking about here. My grandpa, uh, Holler, my, my dad's dad, was a, uh, was a hard man for many years. He was... Uh, he was raised in a home that was prejudiced, so that became all he knew. And so 
as a result, he was prejudiced growing up. What's interesting is that when he was a baby, my, grandmother, my great-grandmother was sick and she wasn't able to nurse him. So she had a black nanny nurse him. And he went off to World War II and um, was, was over in the Philippines. But on, on this ship, they had, I don't know exactly what happened, but they hit some, some, pretty, some pretty big waves. And he almost went over the side of the boat and a black soldier saved him. And it was interesting that all along the way, God was putting these scenarios in his life, knowing that, that he cannot get out of his mind that his life was completely dependent upon two black people in two different scenarios in his life. <laughs> and so, I, I, don't, I think that as, as he went in his life, when he gave his heart to Jesus, and that old lingo was still there. I'm not going to give the lingo. You know what it is. It wasn't just black people, but anybody but whites, right? <laughs> and, he, and he continually, and he would say those things, but it wasn't as harsh because his heart had changed, but his lingo hadn't changed. Y'all know what it's like. That's the process of sanctification. <laughs> you get saved, and your mind still thinks funky thoughts, and your mouth still says funky things. And you got to bring those things in submission. But toward the end of his, toward the end of his life, when he, after he retired, my grandfather felt the call to go preach in the jails. And uh, one day he walked into a jail in southern Oklahoma and he was carrying his Bible and there sat a Mexican man just on a bench there just with his head kind of down like this. And my grandpa just had a way about him. He said, hey there, you, uh, you mind if I talk to you about the Lord for a little bit? And without even looking up, the Mexican man said, you don't want to talk to me, preacher. I'm just an old wetback. Now, the earlier grandpa, years before, we said, yeah, you're right, and walked off. But this grandpa looked for grace. He said, well, we all get our backs wet from time to time, especially if we've done any kind of work. The old Mexican man looked up at him and smiled and said, go ahead. And in just a few moments, my grandpa shared the message with that Mexican man sitting in jail, and he received Christ Praise into his heart. An amazing, amazing thing. Yes. That when you look for grace, that's exactly what you'll find. Yes. And whatever happens, whatever life is, is handing you at the moment, there is a place called grace. Look for the opportunity to let your light shine. Don't allow yourself to be even intimidated by what others say. Believe that you have the answer that they're looking for. Yeah. Believe that this gospel, amen. Don't get so caught up in what you're doing or what's going on around you that you fail to see the open doors, the listening ears, the hurting people. Yeah. If you'll look for those moments, you'll find them. Yeah. Verse 13, so it's become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. How, what a testimony. And most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident, how? By my chains. <laughs> you, how in the world did that happen? I mean, I see a guy that gets chained up for preaching the gospel. You'd think it would have the reverse effect. Well, I'm not going to do that. But it says they became bold by his chains. 
How much more bold, and are much more bold to speak the word without fear? See, they saw a man in chains acting and talking like a man who was free. And it befuddled them. He didn't talk like all the other prisoners did. I mean, they might could take away this man's freedom and strip him of all his, the luxuries of liberty, but they could not chain the message of hope that was within him. And that attitude became contagious among these guys, among these other believers that were there, where they took on Paul's message. They all became bold in proclaiming the gospel. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. That's what we do together. We, we help stir up love and good works. How does that happen? Well, the next verse says, not forsaking, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. It's in this environment that we stir one another up to love and good works. That is because, you know, we hear testimonies and we, we need prayer. Uh, we have prayer needs and we are able to minister to one another. All kinds of things happen in this body ministry every time we gather together. And there's a stirring up of love and there's a stirring up of one another, encouraging one another to stay in the fight. Keep being who you are. Keep believing this message. Keep holding on to those promises. Keep expecting those prayers to be answered. Keep expecting what you've said will come to pass. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Some indeed, look at verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. I didn't know they had a secondhand store back then. Goodwill's a, that's an old establishment, isn't it? Verse, sorry, the 16. The former preached Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains, but the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18, I love what Paul says. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. I, and in this I rejoice and will rejoice. What Paul is saying is, what's the deal here? Everybody's talking about Jesus. Yeah. I mean, they're coming at it from different angles. And, but the important thing is that Jesus is the subject of the conversation. Yeah. Hallelujah. Whether they're stirring up, they're, they're, they're all not saying the right things about him. Some of them are saying, talking about him out of anger and strife. And some of them are talking about out of love. Some of them are trying to injure Paul's ministry. Some of them there are with him. It doesn't matter. Paul said, hey, Christ is the subject of the hour. Hallelujah. That's what I rejoice in. Because if he's the subject, if his name is being mentioned, then there is the possibility that men can be saved. Yeah. Acts chapter 4, verse 12, it says, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Hallelujah. Verse 19, for I know that this will turn out. I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. This is so wonderful. Paul believed that the prayers of the church for him would get results. Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's why I wanted us to pray tonight, because I believe that when you yeah. pray, things happen. Because we're all believers here. That's what happens for Amen. believers. They get the surety of answered prayer. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Sure thing. What's God's answer to us concerning his promises? Yes. His answer is yes. It's yes right now. And you know what? Tomorrow when you get up and go to work, the answer is still going to be yes. The next day, the answer is yes. 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 Hallelujah. That's why we can pray with boldness and confidence. 
Because the answer is yes. Verse 20, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. You know what he just said? I can't lose. Live or die, I win. Live or die. To live, it's Christ. It's about him. To die is gain because I get to be with him. Anybody here know who Paul Azinger is? Professional golfer. He was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 33 and he just won a PGA championship and had under his belt at that, at that time uh, 10 tournament victories uh, to his credit. And he, he wrote a... Uh, about this experience in battling cancer. He said, a genuine feeling of fear came over me that I could die from cancer. Then another reality hit me even harder. I'm going to die eventually anyway, whether from cancer or something else. It's just a question of when. So before Azinger lived for golf, but no more, now all he wanted to do was just live. And one day in the early stages, of the panic that, was, that followed the diagnosis that he'd received from the doctor, he remembered some words that he had heard at a Bible study years before. Where he heard, we're not in the land of the living going to the land of the dying. We're in the land of the dying going to the land of the living. And that reality led him to a living hope where he put his faith in Jesus Christ. He recovered from chemotherapy and returned to the PGA Tour. He later wrote, I've learned that happiness is only temporary. The only way to true contentment is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm not saying that nothing ever bothers me and I don't have problems, but I feel like I have found the answer to the six-foot hole. <laughs> Hallelujah. Death is nothing to fear. Let me say that again to you. Death is nothing to fear. Amen. To, to die is to live. Yeah. See, everything about the kingdom of God is backwards to our natural thinking, isn't it? Yeah. You want to be wealthy, you want to be rich, give it away. Well, no, no, the world says, no, 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 get as much as you can. But the Bible says, hey, if you want to be rich God's way, he became poor so that you would become rich, that you through his poverty might be rich. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich, and he has no sorrow with it. So we know that, wow, God's way of, 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 of us to receive this abundance of prosperity that Brandon was talking about, and prosperity is not just about finances, it's about your whole being. But it is one aspect of it. And if, we're honest, if we honestly look at the scriptures, then we find that that's true. We find that that's true. It always gets quiet every time we talk about this, too. I don't understand why. I mean, I would think that the people of God would be excited about that. But, amen. I mean, your real life is found in the Spirit anyway. Right? That's where our real life is. That's where life has no end. That's where life has no hindrances. That's where life is not encumbered by precarious 
situations and circumstances. Life in the Spirit is life. First John chapter 3, verse 2 says, We know that when he's revealed, we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Take your Bible and turn over to Romans chapter 14 for just a moment. Romans 14. I want to get another thought on what Paul is saying. To live is Christ, to die is gain. Romans chapter 14, verse 7. Romans chapter 14 and verse 7, it says, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and rose and lived again, that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. Hallelujah. That's what Paul's saying. He's, you win. It's a win-win situation for us. Whether we're here on earth or whether we're in heaven, hallelujah, whether we die, we win. Yeah. Look at verse 22. But if I live on in the flesh, this will mean fruit from my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I cannot tell. Man, this goes against a lot of thinking out there that, well, his time came. Lord blew the whistle. Paul's, Paul's acting like he's got a choice. What I choose, what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I cannot tell because they're both good. They're both good. Because I win either way. So, and look, look, look the way he says it. Look at the next verse. For I am hard pressed between the two. Imagine this. On each side, to live as Christ, to die as gain. To live as Christ, to die as gain. Having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Being with Christ is far better. How many of you know being in heaven is far better? (laughs) Far better. All right, next. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. For you. I love this about the Apostle Paul. What he says is something that we tell our children all the time that we learned a long time ago. Do what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do. <laughs> I love that. Being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. So what Paul is saying here is my time here is for you. When I'm living for Christ, I'm living for his church. That's how I'm living for Christ. Hallelujah. While I'm in this body, my life is wrapped up in seeing your growth and fulfillment of your faith. Now look at that. I want you to notice that. It says, all for your progress and joy of faith. Progress and joy of faith. That's what happened with Ms. Velma. We, We took hands a few weeks ago. Because they had uh, seen a spot on her liver, two spots on her liver. And so we just started praying. Pray. And she, she said, I know. I mean, from the, very, from the very beginning, she said, I know that I'm healed because that's what God has said. Yeah. I know that the report's going to be good. Yeah. I mean, just stood there confident. And I just prayed with her. And we thank God for, for healing. 
And faith was in progress. But then tonight we experience the joy of that faith. Hallelujah. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. So Paul says, hey, I'm here with you in the, in the, in the process and the progress of your faith. And I'm here, to, I'm here when the faith starts manifesting itself in your life. When the result of that faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm here with you until we see it. Isn't it awesome, though, that he says, what I shall choose, I cannot tell. What I shall choose, I cannot. Life is definitely a gift from God. And in that gift from God for your life, there are promises from God for long life. There are promises from God for length of days and long life and peace. Now, it's one thing to have long life. It's another thing to have long life with peace. (laughs) Right? Length of days. That is, days that are fulfilled. You know what it's like when you run out of day and you go, crud, I didn't get everything done. Right? So then you got to push what was supposed to all happen today over to tomorrow. That gets you behind. You wake up behind. Right? That just compounds the stress of your life. But this is length of days. Long life. Fulfilled days, fulfilled lifetime, and peace. Now, if God's up there pushing buttons going, "Er, you're out, Er, you're out, time to come home, Er, you're out, then why would he promise this long life? I think he's pretty much showed us what his desire is for us. His promise is his desire, ladies and gentlemen. Are you hearing me? His promise is his desire for us. So he says, I pro- uh, he promises, as a matter of fact, the very first commandment with promise is, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and, and your mother that it may be well with you and that your days may be long on the earth. Amen. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation, Psalm chapter 91. So we see that God's position is long life. You can, you can have long life. Yeah. You can have it. Amen. And Paul, knowing this, says, you know, I mean, think about what condition he's in at this point. The man has been beat to pieces I don't know how many times. And here he is. He finds himself, well, I just don't know. I mean, you just can't kill the guy who just chooses not to die. I just can't figure out what I want to do. He already had a snake on his hand, right? Been shipwrecked. Been in two different shipwrecks. Been in, been in the sea through the night floating out there, you know. Been stoned. Been whipped. Beat five different times with rods. Three times with the flagellum, a Roman flagellum. Jesus got one of those beatings. Paul got three of them. This dude was, there ain't no telling what he looked like. And yet, Amen. here he is. Yeah. Can't decide if I want to stay here or go. I have a feeling John had the same deal. Boiled him in oil. Couldn't kill him. You die when you get boiled in oil. Right? Then they serve you up out at the fair. (laughs) When they fried him. Dropped him in the hot grease. How do you live through that? And John lived through it. No, I'm I'm not ready to go yet. Perfect love casts out all fear. There he is in the boiling oil, just 
not going to die. Can't, take, your, take your Bible. I just thought of a scripture. Michael, I know you love me right now, man. Go over to Hebrews 11. Everybody say, I love you, Michael. All right. He looked sharp. I told him, I said, why don't you just preach tonight? You look so sharp. You ought to just get up there and, I mean, even if you, even if you don't preach good, you'll look good while you're doing it. Now, Hebrews 11 and verse 35, women receive their dead raised to life again. Now, this is all talking about through faith, through faith, through faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, right? This is how all these things happen. Women received their, their dead raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others, whoa, whoa, hang on, whoa, what, what? Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance. They were tortured, not accepting deliverance. Are you tortured if you're boiling oil? <laughs> not accepting deliverance. It's like at that moment, I think Stephen showed us what happens at that moment when you're being tortured for the gospel's sake. Right? They're throwing stones. He said, oh, I see heaven open. I see the Son of God standing at the right hand. Why is Jesus standing there? Because he's ready to bring deliverance. Ready to welcome him home. You ready? You ready, Stephen? And Stephen took that one. He said, yeah, 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 let's go. He said, Lord, lay not this charge against them. I take my deliverance. It's like there, there's an option. There's an option. Should I stay or should I go? Mm-mm-mm. This is what Paul's dealing with. But he says, hey, listen, it's better for you if I stay. All right, let's continue. Is this helping you tonight? Now watch. Verse 26, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. I love his confidence. Man, are you going to be happy when I show up again? I know I'm bringing the party when I come. Verse 27, only let your conduct... Be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ. That is, let your life reflect what you believe. We owe it to those who are around us to demonstrate this gospel in the way we live our lives. Why? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. When Phil Valdez was here with us, he said, hey, your good works can't save you. That's exactly the truth. But they might help somebody else get saved. Hmm? He says, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. This is about your stance, that you stand fast in one spirit, your focus, one mind, and your unity striving together. Everybody say it. Your stance, your focus, and your unity. And all those things, ladies and gentlemen, are founded on the gospel. The faith 
of the gospel. That is, everything we believe is rooted in the gospel. It is the, it is the nucleus of everything that we do. I love the, the definition of nucleus. A central or essential part around which other parts are gathered or grouped. One Cause Church, we have this name, One Cause Church, because we are gathered around this cause of Christ. That is his gospel. His, that's, all, that's our cause. That's the only cause worth living for. We teach the gospel to every age group in this church through various ways, right? We give it to them at their level of learning, whether it's pictures or coloring pages or songs and games and puppets and videos and lights and loud music and skits and dramas and Bible studies and whatever. However we can get this gospel out, that's what we're going to do. We want to hit every age, everybody, because this is a gospel for every man, woman, boy, and child. Jesus says, matter of fact, when you come, you got to come like a child. That means the gospel has to be, the gospel has to be, it's so simple that even a child can understand it. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how the understanding, after having kids, I'm amazed at their understanding of Jesus. Any, Any parents know what I'm talking about? That they have an understanding about him that you didn't teach them. A couple of instances, I was telling our homiletics class this a couple weeks ago. I was sitting around, uh, 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 we used to sit around the breakfast table when the kids were real little and I would teach them a scripture song every week. We'd take a verse of scripture and I'd make it into a song and then we'd sing it on Monday mornings and then we'd sing it all week long and then the next Monday we'd start a new one. So this one had to do, I don't remember what scripture it was, but it had the word godly in it. And, And Dylan's three years old and he's sitting there eating his cereal and I said, Dylan, what does godly mean? He's looking down, he looks up and he says, Jesusly? I said, that's pretty darn good theology right there. Godly equals Jesusly. Yeah, write a book, man. Ah, I don't know how you got. And then one day, when he was about that same age, we went out for a walk right after dinner. And the sky was brilliant. There's this big billowing white cloud where the sun was behind it and the rays were shooting through the cloud. I mean, it was awesome. And we're walking. Dylan says, Dad. I said, what? He said, look at that. God's looking at us. I went, yes? Yeah, that's cool, son. Kind of gave me chills, you know? And then he said, and then he said, you know what? Someday, He's going to come out of that cloud and come back and get us. I never taught that kid that. But the gospel, the gospel is something that children easily get. Because it's all about love. It is all about love. That's what we were born to know. We were born for it. It's our instinct to pull into love to understand it, to know it, because love made us. Hallelujah. Now, verse 28, and not in, in, I love this, not in any way terrified by your adversaries. Not in any way terrified by your adversaries, which is to them a proof of perdition, but to you of salvation. And that... From God. See, fear gets you out of your confidence of your salvation. 
Fear gets you out of your confidence of your relationship with God. But look, it says when you don't walk in fear, you're convinced of your salvation and the devil's convinced of his end. Hallelujah. When you know who you are, when you're living that, that perfect love that casts out all fear, the devil ain't got a chance. It terrifies him. There ain't no reason to ever be afraid of the devil. Right? I think a lot of Christians don't even talk about him because they're just flat out scared of him. Right? So that's why there's so many doctrines out there. The doctrine of a sovereign God, that everything is in God's control. Right? Like the devil, just, he just gets a, a day off. Everything happens under God's control. Right? And if we can just blame it all along to give God all the credit for everything. Well, where's the devil in this? He's the one that comes steal, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus said. Amen. When Jesus came to earth, he began to make the, right, make the wrongs right. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Right? The devil was doing some work, and that was not God's will. Jesus said, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and that more abundantly. He didn't say, yeah, he's been my bulldog on a leash for, for many years now. I know. He's going to get you if you don't watch out. They're all on the same side. Yeah, but Pastor Eric, what about Job? What about flipping Job? What about him? Here's the problem. And people I, today talk, I can't, oh, it makes, mm. just got to be patient with Oh, I'm just, I just feel like Job. You f really? So you don't acknowledge Jesus in your life at all. That's what you just said. God's teaching me something. So you don't acknowledge Jesus at all. Because Job said, I don't have a mediator. He cried out for a mediator. You have a mediator. You have no commonality with Job. Not even the same life. He had no Jesus, no mediator between God and man who would intercede for him. You have Jesus. Yeah. Glory to God. Don't compare your life to Job. Compare your life to Jesus because that's who your life is. That's where you find life. Amen. Amen. I love Job. I love his story. But ladies and gentlemen, that is not what, that's not our life. We learn from it. And what I learn from it, thank God that I live on this side of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. You still happy? Yeah. All right. And you know what God ended up saying, about, saying to Job toward the end? He said, Job, you spoke wrongly of me. And you know when he spoke wrongly of him? He giveth and he taketh away. We put that in our worship song. They're quoting Job. And God said, you spoke wrongly of me. It's getting quiet in here. Okay. Yeah, I guess he did. He took away my sins. Took away everything that was keeping me from him. Took the handwriting of requirements out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Glory to God. Now look at this, verse 29, and we're almost done. For to you, it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, 
but also to suffer for his sake. Now, you know, there is a suffering to your life, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to have to understand that as believers. If we are going to live as Christians in this world, we are going to suffer the effects of that. Because you are living in a world that is contrary to it. You're fighting a devil who hates you, and you have a flesh to continually bring it under control. The suffering Paul, though, is talking about here is the preaching of that gospel. That's what got him all beat up, was because he preached Christ crucified. See, it's one thing for you to believe the gospel, but it's another thing for you to tell others that you believe the gospel. Because you open yourself up to ridicule, to resistance, hatred. Shoot, you might even face death over it. But his cause is greater than any trial or trouble or tribulation you'll ever face for it. Because the truth is, there will be those who will believe if you will declare it. You never give them the potential to believe if they don't ever hear the words of the gospel. Let us preach the gospel and use words if we have to. Hey, Bubba, the gospel is words. Last time I checked, the gospel is the proclaiming of the good news. Amen. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Amen. Yeah, and you should live it too, absolutely. But remember what we've talked about before. You can't live it unless you talk about it because your life follows your tongue. So if you don't preach the gospel, then you don't really give yourself the potential to live it. Amen. Amen. It's the preaching of the gospel that elevates, elevates our lives to live it. Not the opposite. Well, if I live for God for a while, then maybe I'll, 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 I can talk about him. Wrong thinking. That is not what the Bible tells you to do. Silence doesn't do anything. There are lots of good people out there. Mormons are better living than you are. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm, I shouldn't say that. Not you guys. The other people, the other Christians out there. You guys are at church on Wednesday night. Because there will be those who will believe. There will be those who will be receptive, who will hear what you have to say. And in turn, they'll tell others. So along with your belief in him, there is a suffering that comes when talking about him, preaching his cross. That's all right. There's a great reward for suffering for the gospel's sake. I mean, if I'm going to suffer, I'd rather suffer for Jesus. Right? I don't want to suffer because something this world has got me. I want to suffer because his gospel's got me. Hallelujah. Verse 30, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here, in, here is in me, that is the gospel. The conflict is that he preaches it and he gets whipped for it. He preaches it and he, fi- and he, faces, he faces trouble for it. What you hear is now in me, right? That's, I'm in prison here because of it. These chains right here, these are trophies. This is like a crown on my head. I look at these chains, I think people got saved because of this right here. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm dealing with this. I'm down here in this dank, dark dungeon of a prison. Yeah. And people are saved. Amen. And the gospel's still going out. Amen. 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 Has this blessed you tonight? Yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.